The Cavaliers back to work after a 113-112 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers in their first preseason game of the season. Our thoughts on a backcourt featuring Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, Karis LeVert getting the first crack at the starting three position. And is J.B. Bickerstaff a Geno's or a Pats guy when it comes to the Philly cheesesteak? All that and more coming up on the Cavs Insider Podcast. to me to roll the wrong intro but here we are nonetheless on the cast insider podcast john <laughs> Rutter with spencer german that was the only thing that i didn't want to mess up as we started this and we are off to a roaring start here just 50 seconds into this my man how you been i've been pretty good john you know we'll cut you some slack john this is a new site we're all kind of learning the ropes getting the getting familiarized with everything so it's it's all good man we we we, we all make those errors in this business it happens <laughs> <laughs> Literally realized that as I pressed the button, I was like, that's wrong. Can't go back now. So, <laughs> uh, but we're coming at you after this uh, preseason game number one. Uh, a lot to like from the Cavaliers in that first, uh, really the first opening two quarters after the reserves kind of took over uh, last night. Um, the big story, obviously, that folks are paying attention to, Donovan Mitchell. And then who's going to be starting in that small forward position? So I'll turn things over to you right off the bat. Um, thought Mitchell looked pretty good. There was a lot to like, and I think that there's a lot to be excited for that you can expect uh, as the season, as we get close to the season now. Yeah, no doubt about it, John. I mean, I know um, – so I, I was actually – I was hosting a show last night on 92.3, but um, one of our many places of, of employment. But um, I, when we had the game on in studio, I was kind of in between breaks, catching some, some glimpses where I could. And um, I, I know I saw ESPN tweeting some of the – the Donovan Mitchell hot. I could tell him that first fan watching again, we know it's the preseason. It's, it's not going to give you a full indication of what this team's going to be or everything that they're going to be doing out on the floor. But if you were kind of tuning in to kind of get a first glimpse of what is he going to look like in a Cavs uniform? How is he going to mesh with Darius Garland? How's this all going to kind of work? I think you got that. Like he showed up first, first chance to really be out there with his teammates and he looked good. He looked like he was motiva- motivated, energized, and definitely brought something, brought a little extra juice to the lineup, which was good to see. So uh, I guess early returns on uh, as, as good as you can get from a preseason game. It looks like he's uh, he's fitting right in already and and that this thing's going to be uh, pretty exciting to watch for, right out of the gate when the season does start. In terms of the small forward position, I've gone like around and around with this conversation. I know when we first talked about it, um, I mentioned I think Levert maybe has the inside track, and it looked like last night with him being in that three spot that maybe he does. But I, I got to tell you, John, like the more and more I think about it, I kind of want to see a Coro there as the as the main starter just because you're starting Levert if you think you need the offense from him. And, and that's why they traded for him last year. Like they needed that other scorer with Darius Garland. But now that you have Donovan Mitchell – I don't know if I feel as adamant that you have to have him in the starting lineup. And I kind of like the idea of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen kind of manning and guarding the paint. They're your rim protectors, right? But they can step out and guard the perimeter, and they're going to be great scorers in their own right, Mobley most notably. And then you have the two guards in, in Garland 
and Mitchell on the outside who can knock it down from anywhere. And then I kind of like if you insert a Coro where he's more of a defensive-minded player, he's maybe a weakness for you offensively, but I also think in year three, we're all hoping he can take that next step. And maybe when he has like four scorers around him who can take the pressure off, he doesn't have to feel like he's pressing and trying to score all the time. Maybe that brings that out of him. and He becomes that three and D player that we all hope he can be. So I kind of like that idea, but I understand maybe why Karras is maybe getting the first look at it. And truly this could maybe end up a position where they're rotating to bit, depending on the matchup. Like it could be Karras some nights, it could be a Coral some nights, but right now, like in my mind, I love the idea of a core out there as an extra defender. And then you have Levert, one of the first big scorers off your bench. I, I think that's a beautiful concept if they were to run with that. And I think it was easy for us to kind of talk about it, you know, as, you know, oh, maybe we want that extra offense with Karis Levert. But then you see it in action uh, with Donovan Mitchell on the floor. And there's a lot more space out on that floor than I thought there might be. I think that that was something that might even have caught the Cavs off of, off guard as well. Yeah. They talked about this today uh, in uh, in the media availability. It's Karis and then, you know, JV specifically. But uh, we also talked to Dean Wade, too. But uh, they both said, like, look, there, were, there was a lot of open space out there. And that hasn't been the case when it comes to practice. Like, I think that the Cavs kind of, you know, expected Philly to maybe lock it down a little bit more than they did. Uh, but they said that they saw a lot more open looks than, they see, than they've seen in practice. A lot of hands in, in passing lanes. You know, a lot of uh, balls that are contested and passes that are contested uh, in in practice. And they were able to, to see some open looks and knock down those open looks. I think their first 15 points came from beyond the arc. And this was a team that really struggled to shoot threes. Having Donovan Mitchell out there yeah. certainly helps that. We talked about Karis LeVert. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was like, every time I talk about this, I think I have a new front runner and a new favorite in, in this category. <laughs> Um, what I did like to see, and uh, it was the chemistry that he also showed, uh, that Levert also showed with Mitchell when Garland was on the bench, because we saw, you know, the experiment with, with Darius and Donovan out there for a while. And then Donovan kind of took the reins while Darius was on the bench and, uh, you know, showed that, uh, you know, still a proven score. But what I also liked was he wasn't afraid to go to the dirty areas. Like we saw him down low a little bit. We saw him get a couple of offensive boards, um, and then he showed some nice, nice chemistry with Kara. So there was a couple of give and goes that, that looked pretty sweet as well. Let me ask you this, John, uh, after watching the game last night and Jetty is an interesting player to me because last year he kind of got put in the doghouse a little bit. Maybe it wasn't the doghouse. That might be the wrong phrasing, but I, I know just from talking with people who were covering the team and around the team, like he's just not necessarily the style of player that J.B. Bickerstaff once in the lineup, I, I think, in some respects. And so I just, I, I'm kind of trying to figure out, like, what his role is. Like, where does he fit in all this? Yeah. I'm imagining at this point he's coming off the bench because I think we just kind of rattled off a whole bunch of names of guys who probably fit the three better than him, Okoro, Levert, maybe Dean Wade is like an outside dark horse chance. But um, I, I don't know, like, what role do you think Jetty maybe fills on this team as maybe a guy coming off the bench? And, and how do you how do you see him maybe – gelling with this group well, i know jb's played you know the lip service game as far as saying like look you know he's in the he's in the conversation for that starting role but i really get the sense that you know it's you know more of a two or three horse race when it comes yeah. to like karis isaac maybe if you want to throw like a lamar or a dean in there like three or four horse. like i don't necessarily envision him as like a true contender for this he most certainly has a role coming off the bench 
uh, with his team. But um, that's a great point because we, we kind of wondered where Jetty had been all preseason. We haven't haven't talked to him a whole lot. He hasn't been available to the media a whole lot. Um, and then when he did talk, he kind of um, he was kind of like a more laid back back version. Um, you know, he was still his typical affable self that we that we've come to know and love. Um, but I just got a different sense from him. Like maybe he feels a little bit of pressure to kind of fit in. Um, maybe he feel he said that this is an important season. And he also said that this is an important season for him. And then when pressed, you know, why is this an important season for you? He kind of walked it back a little bit and said, well, you know, I, I just want to build on the team chemistry and build on the success that we had last year. Um, but you could kind of sense that he got he has the feeling that like this is an important campaign for him and he needs to show his value here. Um, and, you know, there are he, the roles that he fills. I, I kind of get the sense that there are other guys that fill them on the team and maybe fill them better, um, a little bit younger, a little bit faster, a little bit better defender, a little bit better shooter. Like this, he was a great guy to have, uh, you know, on a team that was coming off of the LeBron James departure with the Colin Sexton selection. You know, he was somebody that could go out there and eat up minutes and score points. Um, but we've moved, we've kind of moved past that. Um, yeah. like I, I hate, I hate to use, I hate to use this analogy. It is a baseball analogy and it is because I had followed the pirates so closely when I was younger, but Garrett Jones wanted to be a regular player in the lineup and Clint Hurdle told him, well, you were a good player on a bad baseball team. We're trying to not be a bad baseball team. And I, I kind <laughs> of, and I love Jetty and I think that he does bring a lot of value to, to this team, but you know, Jetty was a, was a good player on a team that was kind of mediocre. And, and now we've got, you know, three, four, four all-stars uh, potentially in this lineup. And we've, we've kind of moved past that right now. It's a good way to look at it. And very good points from you, John. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying this, like a, it's a good problem to have, right? It's, it's, yeah, sure. it's, it's rare that we've been able to, even in the LeBron James days, like even when he came back the second time and really the first time too, who we kidding? Like, those teams were not deep at all. I mean, no. even even the team that won in 2016, like they were, they were that was probably the deepest group he had here. But like, it wasn't like they had these two units where you were like, oh man, like they got a lot of, you know what I mean? Like it was the starters, it was LeBron carrying the weight, and those guys playing, you know, most of the minutes, and then in the especially in the playoffs, and so the, the rest of the, yeah, yeah, and then the rest of the group, you know, it kind of was what it was. This is the first time in a while that I've like looked at the Cavs and been able to say like, man, first unit, second unit, top to bottom, they have so much depth here. Um, so it's a good problem to have. It's good to have too many bodies. But Chetty's just interesting to me because I, I do see a guy who has been kind of floated out there as a trade chip in the past, and maybe that yeah. comes to fruition at the deadline this year if they're looking to maybe add a piece and he can be part of some package. But you're right, like. He was a good he was a role player when LeBron was here. He was a good player on a bad team and now he's kind of got to figure out what his role is, which is to your point why he maybe alluded to this is a big year for him on a team that now has four all-stars and obviously has really high aspirations this season. He also did say that um you know, you know with regard to, you know, the trade talks and his future like he, like he heard that. It was like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, I hear that. I try not to pay much attention to it. I, the lines of communication are always open between JB and Mike Gansey and Kobe Altman, but he did say that, you know, he met with them over the summer. It didn't necessarily seek them out specifically, 
to like directly ask about his future and his role with this team. But I mean, he certainly said that he had heard those trade talks, but it wasn't something that he was necessarily focused on. Said he's happy in Cleveland, said he wants to be in Cleveland, but I almost got the sense like he's like maybe wrestling with his own like mortality at that point, at this point, like where, like, okay, where do I go from here in in my career? You know, I'm happy in Cleveland. I've made a home here in Cleveland. Uh, You know, I've been part of this, you know, the beginning of this ascent and I would like to be a part of it. Um, but where does the organization see my fit in that? Um, that's ultimately up to him and his play, but I, I really got that sure. sense from him the other day. Yeah, no, I, and I, and I, I can understand why, you know, that the trade rumors being in that conversation a couple years in a row now probably does make you almost think of like your own mortality. Like, Oh, how, how much longer do I have here? I think all players kind of deal with that to an extent. I mean, you always hear guys at the deadline get asked about, you know, are you worried at all about what your team's going to look like or if you're going to be here or if this person's going to be here? And they all know it could happen. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, you got to kind of compartmentalize it. I'm sure that's what he's probably going to try to do. I had a question for you, John, um, that I actually saw pop up as kind of a thought on, I think, our YouTube the, on the YouTube page for Cavs Insider where we posted about the – um, Evan Moby injury out one to two weeks with the ankle. And I, I thought it was actually a pretty interesting thought because there's fans, I think who are actually wondering, you know, is this like a doomsday scenario or a bad omen that Evan Moby is going to end up in a similar boat as Anthony Davis again, tall guy, they're similar heights. I want to say Moby's like an inch taller. He's definitely thinner and, and weight wise than, than AD, but um, I, I can understand the concern there of like why you look at this type, this prototype of a player and think like, oh, ankle injuries. And he had the elbow obviously last year, which was kind of more of a fluky thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why people maybe be concerned about that. Do you have, I kind of used, I talked about this with, uh, at a different, a different place, but um, I kind of used like the worry meter. And I said, for me, it's at like a 1.8 to 2. Like, I, I I see it on the horizon. It's like, yeah, it's a little concerning now that I think about it. But I'm not like overly concerned at this point in his career. But where would you maybe put that for you? Like, is it something that you think is a, it could be an issue for him throughout his career? Well, it's something that's certainly registering on the radar at this point, specifically because, you know, a similar injury happened to him last year. Like, he came down on Franz Wagner's foot at the end of March and missed about five games towards the end of March. So different foot, but similar type of injury jumped, yeah. landed on somebody's foot uh, and, and rolled the ankle. He's made a concerted effort in the off season to like get stronger and build flexibility. And, and hopefully that that uh, kind of, uh, you know, eliminates some of those problems, you know, with the, with the ankle and, and some of these injuries, if he's building that strength, um, but it's certain it's definitely something that has popped into my mind recently. And I floated it out there, um, at the, at the facility the other day when we were talking, I think I even brought this up with Brendan, maybe the other day during one of our podcasts, like he's just similar to Anthony Davis. Like he's just a long, like lanky guy. And I just wonder if that maybe lends itself to, you know, roll, rolling an ankle. It, it doesn't appear like it's going to be anything severe, um, I, I, you know, they're kind of taking it day by day. It doesn't sound like he's yeah. done. He's, you know, back to working on the court. Um, but I w- I'm of the camp of let's put this guy in bubble wrap and let's get him to the season. Like, he, I don't, I don't need to see him in any preseason games this year. Like I I'm fine if we just roll him out on October 19th against the Raptors. I'm right there with you. I mean, the smartest thing they can do is, is not rushing back, right? Like that would just be silly. 
you want him for that home stretch of you know March, April into the playoffs. You don't you don't want to be worrying about you know even if he misses a game or two to start the season because he just they just want to give him a little extra time. Fine, I get it. Like fans want this team to start developing the chemistry as soon as possible with Donovan Mitchell now out there, and how's everybody going to kind of fit? But I'm willing to wait two games on that if it means Evan Mobley's healthy and he's able to compete with this team come playoff time because that's when you're really going to want him the most. So, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Don't don't rush him back. Just take it easy. Put him in bubble wrap. One other injury note to uh, bring up. Dylan Windler was out of the lineup last night uh, because mm. of an ankle injury that he suffered. Uh, I believe it was Monday afternoon, so before the team left, right before the team left. Um, Mobley didn't travel with the team to Philadelphia. I don't believe Windler did as well. I did hear today that they expect Windler to maybe practice potentially tomorrow. So that is a little bit of good news with regards to him. Um, but, man, you talk about a guy who consistently uh, is not available. Um, I I think that the guy does have some talent and is able to be maybe one of those perimeter threats. But this is someone who has just never been able to consistently be in the lineup and stay healthy. It's disappointing to see from the kid, too. Yeah, it's unfortunate, John, because like they drafted him and there was some excitement about like, oh, could he be a player? Again, it was a it was a bad team. So you're kind of figuring out like where does he slot in? Where could he potentially pop up? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's you hate to see a young guy have these issues early in his career where it just continues to plague him. And, and I, you know, we always give guys the injury prone label, and the tag and Maybe that's what the situation is here. Um, but it's unfortunate that we've never gotten to see him blossom into what he could be, even find out what he could be. And yeah. the more and more that these injuries bother him, obviously, or are a thing, we, the, the lessons are to find out what type of player he is. So, yeah, I mean, that's that stinks. It's, it's unfortunate for him. And obviously, unfortunate for the Cavs that we may never get to know his true potential if this keeps happening, um, especially now on a team where like his minutes are going to be limited anyway. Right. Cause the team, like we just yeah. said it, like it's, they're very deep. They're stacked as is. They have four potential all-stars on the roster. Like he's not going to see a lot of court time anyway. And so now it's, it's kind of like a guessing game as to what he can be or how much he can actually develop here. Yeah. I think it's the biggest problem is like, because of all these injuries and his lack of, you know, being available on the floor, like you really don't even know what you have with him. You just know that you yeah. have this, have this invested pick all right we'll wrap up with this uh jb bickerstab or rather we'll back up a little bit but the, the cavaliers in philadelphia uh last night a 113 112 loss to the philadelphia 76ers city of brotherly love it's also the city of the cheesesteak um i always try to make a, a point to ask somebody a question whether it's a coach or a player right as they're sitting down just something that is you know more of a normal question how was the road trip you know what break you know, the ice city? a little bit Yes, exactly. Just to kind of loosen them up, just to essentially just to try to maybe get to know them a little bit more as a per as a person. And, you know, JB was sitting down today and I asked how the road trip was. And I said, are you a Geno's or a Pat's guy? Because those are usually the two staples when it comes to cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. He is team neither. He's a Campos guy, he said. So I had to look mm. it up. I was like, I'm, I've never actually even heard of it. So um, I'm a little mediocre, lukewarm on the cheesesteak myself. Um not never been the biggest Philadelphia fan to begin with, and I kind of lumped the cheesesteak in there as well. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I thought that was interesting that he's like, I, yeah, he, he, you know, leave it to JB, he goes his own route. Listen, no matter how you feel about Philly, the cheesesteak, oh, it's incredible. <laughs> I, I've I started making a homemade cheesesteaks now, and it's one of like, we'll go with the German, 
Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just make my own. We can just call it whatever. Um, yeah, it's one of my my wife always says it's one of her favorite meals I make. So cheese, our homemade cheesesteak. So if I remember correctly, now here's what I'll say about Pat's and Gino's. Um, For the record, little, I've never had either. Okay, well, a little free publicity here. Um, if I remember <laughs> correctly, I, I I we when I went the last time I was in Philly with like a group of my friends. This wasn't the last time I was there, I guess. But one time I went there with a group of friends. We tried both. And I think I like Pat's a little bit more, but I've always been told from people who are like from Philly or love Philly or just are Philly fans, whatever. They always tell me like, those aren't even the places you want to go. And they throw yeah. like these obscure places. Like you mentioned, what yeah. was it? Campos you said was, yeah. was JB's. I've never even heard of Campos, but like everybody yeah. has like a hole in the wall cheesesteak spot. And I, I, I got to make a list because I keep forgetting what these places are. And the next time I go to Philly, I want to actually try these other places that everybody, that the locals actually say are the places to go. Because I want to find the best cheesesteak in Philly. So if it's not Pat's and Gino's, I got to find out where it is. That's funny that you <laughs> mentioned that because I do have a buddy that is from Philly. And he said the exact same thing. He's like, everybody always wants to go to Pat's or Gino's. He's like, and the answer is neither of them. So in a, in a, same deal. <laughs> had, a, had, a home, had a homemade place or a little hometown shop that, that he recommended as well. All right, Spence, good stuff. Uh, you will be at the Wine and Gold scrimmage on Saturday? Yes. Uh, I believe we found out it's at 11 a.m. Um, from what I understand, I think it's going to be pretty low-key. Just, you know, I think an hour, a little over that, of just kind of them playing against each other. And then, uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of media availability after, and we'll be sure to post some of those up to the YouTube page and obviously on our social media accounts, so be sure to follow along with that. But, yeah, looking forward to getting out there and, and kind of getting my first exposure to the team in a practice slash scrimmage setting. So it should be fun. And then the Cavaliers back on the floor for preseason game number two against these same 76ers on Monday evening. Should be a busy time, busy weekend here in Northeast Ohio with the Guardians, Cavaliers at a wine and gold scrimmage, and then the game on Monday. We will keep you up to date with everything. You can follow along on Twitter at Cavs Insider underscore FN, and of course here on the YouTube page and on the podcast as well. For John Rutter, Spencer German, this has been the Cavs Insider Podcast here on Cavs Insider.